Welcome to the April 2009 MSF Frontline Reports podcast. Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, or MSF, is an independent medical humanitarian aid organization. I'm Avril Benoit. In this edition, MSF field workers in Haiti describe the overwhelming need for medical care in that country and how the public health system is failing Haitians. But first, a massive meningitis epidemic is sweeping through several West African countries, Nigeria, Niger, and Chad, where MSF is carrying out its largest-ever vaccination campaign. Hundreds of teams made up of MSF and Ministry of Health staff are working together to vaccinate some 7.5 million people against this deadly disease. Without treatment, meningitis bacteria kills up to half of those infected, usually within 48 hours of showing symptoms. MSF teams have been racing against time as they track the spread of the outbreak, order millions of vaccines, deliver them to remote places, and treat those who are already sick. Melanie Cappuccioni has the story. Nurse Susan Umstadt has been working in Zamfara State in the northern part of Nigeria since the beginning of March. She's in the midst of the country's worst meningitis epidemic in over a decade. This year, more than 37,000 cases of meningitis have been recorded by the joint MSF and health ministry teams. The joint teams are visiting clinics and hospitals to see patients, organize drug supplies, and collect data. At these health facilities, Umstadt has seen why it's so urgent to prevent as many people as possible from becoming infected. The thing uh, about meningitis that I've realized since I've been here is just how very sick children are when they have this. Um, they don't even want to move and um, their eyes are covered because the light hurts their eyes. They're breathing quickly because they have a fever or they're in pain. Meningococcal meningitis is a contagious and potentially fatal bacterial infection of the tissues lining the brain. Infected people often carry meningitis without showing symptoms and spread the bacteria to others when they cough or sneeze. It comes on suddenly and can cause intense headaches, stiffness of the neck, high fever, and sensitivity to light. Meningitis epidemics regularly hit countries in the so-called African meningitis belt, an area reaching from Senegal in the west to Ethiopia in the east. 300 million people living in these countries are at risk. The peak season is between December and June, when hot, dry weather irritates the throat and nose and makes it easier for invasive bacteria to enter. The number of cases spotted in the meningitis belt in mid-January this year was a red flag to Dr. Greg Elder, currently coordinating MSF's vaccination campaign in Nigeria. This year, uh, very early in the season, um, we saw uh, a small outbreak uh, in the western part of Uganda. Uh, and then there was a bit of a lull, and in early January, I, I was actually in Nigeria at the time, we started to see cases in, in northern Nigeria. And we do sort of see and have recorded cases this time of year before. But the pattern was different this year. There were more cases, they were more concentrated, uh, and then we started to see them in different, uh, different regions and different districts. As soon as warnings like these come in, MSF sends teams to the affected areas to verify cases and set up early treatment. If the cases indicate an early epidemic outbreak, MSF, in coordination with the Ministry of Health, triggers a list of responses. They reinforce surveillance, seek laboratory confirmation of meningitis, and ramp up treatment capacity in clinics and hospitals. Soon after epidemic thresholds are reached, 
teams begin preventative vaccinations. Timely mass vaccinations are the most effective means of limiting the spread of epidemics. So far this year, MSF and government health staff have immunized more than 5.4 million people in Nigeria and in Niger. Additional campaigns targeting around 1.8 million people are ongoing in these countries and in Chad. Dr. Elder explains why timing is crucial. In a highly populated area, an epidemic can spread very quickly and peaks very quickly. So if you take a long time to react and do your vaccination campaign, then you've missed the opportunity to vaccinate a lot of people. In theory, we say that we try to, to, to start a campaign within two weeks. Massive planning needs to happen within those two weeks. The vaccines that will protect a patient for two to three years are ordered from the International Coordination Group, or ICG. It's a body set up by MSF and other organizations that stockpiles vaccines to prevent shortages in the midst of an emergency. With the vaccines on the way, MSF teams go on surveillance expeditions to pinpoint the worst affected areas that would most benefit from urgent mass immunizations. They also treat cases that have been diagnosed or donate the appropriate medicines. The teams canvass every pocket of the epidemic, says Dr. Liz Bannister, who is working in Katsina State, Nigeria. We're covering the entire state, so we're in the car for up to 10 hours a day in pretty harsh weather conditions of more than 45 degrees Celsius most days, dusty, irritating environment. But this is offset by the welcome that we get in in local governments, by the health officials, but particularly by the smaller health centres. Often working in remote clinics, these teams gather data while they care for patients already infected. Teams of epidemiologists enter case details into a database and flag which areas have hit epidemic threshold, 15 cases per 100,000 people per week. These are the areas where MSF and government vaccination teams from the Ministry of Health will go. A team of nine can immunize up to 1,500 people per day. There are currently 270 such teams traveling through nine states in northern Nigeria, three regions in southern Niger, and parts of Chad. Each of these teams needs transportation and supplies, a major logistical feat that falls to MSF logisticians like Antoine Pruce, who is currently in Jigawa State, Nigeria. Uh, we are working uh, 15 to 20 hours uh, each day uh, because uh, we have to supply uh, everything for the site uh, in terms of medical kit, but also in terms of uh, cold chain uh, supply, uh, which is uh, mainly ice, ice packs. If vaccines are not kept cool, they lose effectiveness. A cold chain is a system designed to maintain the vaccines within a certain temperature range, from the moment they leave the factory all the way to their delivery from a syringe into a patient's bloodstream. Temperatures in Nigeria this time of year are above 100 degrees Fahrenheit, so managing the cold chain is a challenge, says MSF's emergency coordinator in Nigeria, Ibrahim Yunus. In general, there is no much electric power as such, our regular electric in many places. Uh, we work on that by providing extra assistance to the existing infrastructure of the MOH, meaning fuel for generators uh, or providing generators and, and more and more cold chain material. When the teams and supplies are ready and the vaccination site has been chosen, the next step is to make sure that people show up.
Seeing one's own friends and family affected by the disease is a powerful, if frightening, motivator to come get vaccinated. But teams still need to spread the word among community leaders about who should come, when and where, says Eunice. And also we have uh, microphones in each place that we go around and we inform the people the date of the vaccination and the, the benefit of this vaccination towards the outbreak. Mass immunizations have prevented more than 70% of expected cases in individual meningitis outbreaks in Africa, according to the World Health Organization. That translates to millions of people. And Dr. Elder says that MSF and Nigeria's health ministry hope to reach about 1.6 million more people during this year's outbreak. There's now quite a busy time for the team. The rainy season comes in about a month's time and meningitis seems to disappear with the rainy season. So the focus is really on trying to vaccinate as quickly as we can in the areas um, that are, are experiencing very high levels of, of infection at the moment. That was MSF's Melanie Cappuccioni. In mid-April, Haiti's Prime Minister met with the United Nations Secretary-General and representatives from donor countries and agencies in Washington, D.C. to discuss funding strategies for development in Haiti. Haiti has the worst health indicators in the Western Hemisphere. Hurricanes expose it to disasters every year. The medical needs are tremendous, and they've gone largely ignored. MSF spoke up to make the case that the government and its international donors need to prioritize health care. Kevin Phelan has the story. MSF began scaling up its emergency medical operations in Haiti in 2004 when the country was experiencing a huge surge in urban violence. Since then, violence in the country's urban centers, including the capital, Port-au-Prince, has been significantly quelled. Yet MSF continues to provide medical assistance to a population with little access to much-needed treatment. Brian Moeller, MSF head of mission at Trinité Trauma Center in Port-au-Prince, describes how these emergency operations set up to respond to an early crisis have today taken on the functions of a government hospital. Um, in July of 2006, Doctors Without Borders treated more than 200 gunshot victims at uh, three of our medical facilities here in Port-au-Prince. Um, we built what amounted to a um, war surgery hospital, um, and we could only admit, admit uh, violent trauma. Today, well, our wards and our beds are still full, uh, beyond capacity. Um, however, they're filled with the everyday cases of a, of a large, major capital city of 3.5 million uh, inhabitants, motor vehicle accidents, um, domestic and industrial accidents, uh, domestic violence. Of our current admissions to Trinity Hospital, just 3% uh, of the cases are actually for gunshot wounds, and only 22% uh, of the overall um, presentations are related directly to violence, predominantly domestic violence. Trinity can barely handle the massive emergency caseload, says Moeller. These are cases that should be handled by a public health system. Uh, Trinity Hospital um, treated close to 18,000 trauma cases in 2008. We have the only um, viable and dedicated burns unit um, operating in Haiti. This clearly uh, can't continue. It can't go on. High-quality medical treatment is available in Haiti for those with the money to pay for it. But 50 to 60 percent of the population lives on less than one dollar a day, which leaves them with few options. In Port-au-Prince, MSF provides the only free 24-hour emergency services for trauma, obstetrics, burns, and sexual violence. Emergency obstetric care is one of the most neglected areas of health care in Haiti. 
which helps account for the maternal mortality rate of 630 deaths per 100,000 people. That is 50 times higher than the rates in the U.S. and Canada. In three years at Jude Ann Emergency Obstetric Hospital in the capital, MSF has treated 25,000 pregnant women, the majority of whom had life-threatening complications. Hans von Dillen is the MSF head of mission at Jude Ann. Now these figures only represent women who can actually reach our hospital, but hundreds of women do not receive the appropriate medical care uh, they need because of lack of financial resources, insecurity, rejection by health workers in other facilities, and hospital strikes. As a result of a large-scale strike in October and November of last year, MSF became the only provider of emergency care, and the 65-bed Jude Ann Hospital became one of the very few places pregnant women could deliver in Port-au-Prince. Women, regardless of their condition, came from as far as 120 kilometers to the Jude Ann Hospital. At the time of the strikes, women were given birth in the hospital, stairways, rooftop, parking lot. The result was that the quality of our medical care was severely, severely compromised. In the capital's impoverished area of Martissant, more than 300,000 people have no access to health facilities. MSF opened Martissant 25, an emergency center in 2006 to respond to high levels of violence in the area. The center is set up to stabilize people with life-threatening conditions and refer them to other medical facilities for care. However, Gaetan Drossar, field coordinator at Martissant 25, says there are virtually no reliable public health centers for patients to go. As a result, the center has increased its capacity to treat more cases on-site, says Drossar. Nonetheless, our capacities are still limited, and we have no other choice but to refer about 10% of our patients anyway to public health facilities. For them, it amounts to Russian roulette. The facilities will often lack basic capacities, such as oxygen, blood transfusion, sterile surgical material, or other critical supplies. And the consequences of referring patients to these public facilities can be tragic, he says. A one-year-old boy with burns injuries was admitted to our facility in February. His hemoglobin began to fall, and he needed a blood transfusion. We transferred him and his mother to a public hospital with a medical kit for his burn-worn dressings. The kit was stolen on the ward of the hospital. The next day, one of our staff personally arranged the blood transfusion and brought another kit. The second kit has been lost, and the blood transfusion was not begun until the following day. The child died the day after receiving only four blood. Situations like this are all too common, says Drossard, both inside Port-au-Prince and elsewhere around the country. While the high-level meeting earlier this month focused on long-term cooperation to achieve Haiti's social, political, and economic goals, MSF is calling on the Haitian government and international donors to take more immediate action to prioritize accessible, quality medical care for Haitians. MSF Operations Director for Haiti, Paul McFun, explains. Much of the focus of donors, and I think this is a really important point, has been on hurricane reconstruction and infrastructure projects. And these are all laudable endeavors after the destruction we witnessed last year. Uh, this is obviously a very important focus. But where we want to draw attention is that hidden in plain sight are the emergency health needs of a population, which donor strategies have for the most part ignored. As we understand, the proposed plan for the health sector development in Haiti calls for around 65 million U.S. dollars 
um, for hospitals and medical supplies over the next two years. And right now, Doctors Without Borders is spending $17.5 million each year on our emergency health programs alone. That's each year, and we're far from meeting the needs uh, with this contribution to the health system. In addition to its medical emergency care in Trinité Trauma Center, Judan Hospital, and in Martissan, MSF also provides care for victims of sexual violence in Port-au-Prince. In 2008, MSF provided assistance in Gonaïve after the area was hit by successive tropical storms and treated 44 patients with gunshot wounds during riots in Port-au-Prince over rising food costs. Thank you for listening to this MSF Frontline Reports podcast. Médecins Sans Frontières, or MSF, is an independent medical humanitarian aid organization that delivers emergency assistance to people affected by wars, epidemics, and natural or man-made disasters in more than 60 countries around the world. For more information about these stories, as well as updates on other underreported humanitarian emergencies, please visit our websites, doctorswithoutborders.org or msf.org.